0: welcome to the after Sunday discussion this week we are going to be discussing a variety of things I am Cody Haggard one of your hosts and with me as always is Josh Fauzi. hello Josh how are you doing today
1: I uh, it's been an interesting day been a, been an interesting week it <laughs> let's has just put been it that way
0: an interesting week for you an eventful day um, yeah I know. I know for both of us our week started off with a snowstorm yes oh <laughs> we- my god Goodness. Which put our recording behind. So this is coming out way, way, way after Sunday. So for those of you guys who want some information on when we record, we typically record on Sunday nights. Yes. And right now we are recording on a Thursday night. And it's almost 11 p.m. So. And it's getting late. So this is probably going to be one of our better episodes because I do better the later the day goes on. And I get more slap happy, so... So We're in for a good ride here. I'm kind of losing my voice, so if it goes out, in and out a little bit, I apologize for that if I sound a little goofy, but uh, first just want to say we started the beginning of this week with some snow. We're in the Northeast Ohio area. If you guys checked out our other podcast, Raking Coals, we talked about it a little bit there, but we got about 12 inches of snow over here at my house. Uh, Did you measure over there, Josh, how much you got?
1: SUV tail light height. So it was high. We're on the wrong okay, Grant, We're on the wrong side of the street. The wind was coming from the west. We're on the east side, so all the snow from across the street just piled up against our house and all the cars in our driveway.
0: Oh, man, that's terrible. Man. If anyone of you are listening and you have not had to deal with shoveling yourself out of a snowy driveway, let me tell you, you are blessed because it is super duper annoying when the snow gets really deep. And especially when it gets thick because because there's not much you can do you you kind of just have to take a, a shovel full throw it somewhere so that it's not still on the driveway and you just kind of have to do that there's not a great way to do it without hurting your back there's not too much you can do <laughs> form wise so it's not a whole ton of fun but in some ways it is kind of fun because you get out there and there's to me josh i don't know how you feel about this but to me, there's kind of a peace about wintertime. Do, do you feel that at all about wintertime, being out in the snow and the cold? And some it's, peace about it. It's quiet.
1: I like. I think with the leaves gone and well, most of the leaves gone, and the birds gone, and most of the animals in hibernation. Like when you're out, and if you guys have ever done like hiking in the woods or something in the middle of winter, it's just it's still. There's not a lot of movement. But it, it's just a nice stillness. The the great thing I like about winter, though, is you can see a lot more than you can any other season because the snow just reflects all the light. So yeah, you have a more of a understanding of your surroundings, to say it like that.
0: Yeah, and I was out there. I was shoveling. Uh, my neighbors had come over and helped me out a little bit, but this was after they had helped me out quite a bit. And I just had some stuff I was going to finish up on my own. And... I just stood out there for a while, and I just looked, and just seeing the world covered in this white precipitation that just falls down from the sky and piles up the way it does, it's just kind of one of those things where it's like, man, this is this is beautiful. It really is. I know if you drive in it, and you live in this area, there's so many people who are like, I, I, I hate the snow. I just cannot stand the snow. It is so terrible but it's just cuz it's terrible to drive in. It is. It really isn't fun, but there is a there's a beauty about it. It really is wondrous to look upon in my opinion.
1: You know who loves the snow? My German shepherd. Cuz we were in the backyard and I was just kneeling in, in it and just throwing it up in the air and he was trying to catch it. It was the those going out and like you have kids, so I guarantee you they were playing out there while you were shoveling, right?
0: Were they? No, we actually kept him in because it was a little bit colder than than what I felt we had gear for. Okay. So, if Ezra would have had a pair of snow pants and boots that fit a little bit better, I would have been all about it. We got to get on that for this season. But, because he didn't have quite the gear for it, it wouldn't have been really fair to take Leo out there.
1: Like, every time winter comes, I always... My best friend in high school grew up across the street, and we... Christmas break, you were outside every day, just throwing snowballs and wrestling and goofing off, and just I always have fun doing stuff in the snow. Granted, I hate the cold, so (laughs) like, like I always enjoy winter. It's just the this storm this past week, just it was cold, it was windy, it was not fun.
0: See, for me, man, I was out there. I was in my coveralls. And over my coveralls, I put my winter coat, and I had my insulated gloves on. I had a hat on, which I had on and off, because I was actually getting too hot. Mm -hmm. And so when you have the proper gear for the cold and proper gear for the winter, it's a lot more enjoyable. But if you're not geared up and you're freezing, it is not fun. Freezing out there and then getting wet on top of that is just, ugh.
1: And the, like the thing that I hate the most about winter right now is I work in downtown Cleveland, which is my building is the last building in right before the lake, essentially. And when you get a breeze come off that lake and there's nothing to slow it down, it is freezing. <laughs> it goes through all of it because we get 40, 50 mile an hour wind gusts off the lake in the winter. Oh yeah. And when it's twenty, or when it's between like ten and twenty degrees ambient without the wind chill, it's miserable. But when you get a fifty mile an hour gust of wind coming, just nail you in the face, you could have all the gear you want, you're still cold.
0: Yeah. And not to mention, it's weird because when that happens, you can't breathe. Right. You can't breathe. So not only is it freezing, you're also suffocating at the same time. It's a terrible Mm -hmm. phenomenon
1: yeah no cody and i were talking about this and right now we got the partial government shut down and we're not going to get into politics but man if any of you guys are listening and you guys are in the coast guard we totally appreciate you guys and to be out there every day and do what you do on those uh ice ice cutters and on those helicopters and being deployed uh around the world just not getting paid for it like totally appreciate that like totally feel for you guys
0: absolutely yeah we were talking about how this is for for a coast guard employee this is the worst time of year to not be getting paid because it's, it's got to be the most miserable time of year i can't imagine any time of year being as difficult as, as just the super duper cold temperatures yeah. cutting through the ice having to go in the water oh man it's got to be terrible yeah. so we appreciate you guys uh, and, and we definitely, we've been keeping you guys in, in our prayers. Every employee out there who's not getting paid right now, been praying for you guys, really hoping that all this stuff can come to an end, come to a conclusion. It is really what is best for our country that this just gets resolved some way or another. Uh, so we've been praying for you guys, appreciate you, and thank you for, for everything you guys do every day. So, guys, we're going to move on a little bit here, and we're going to talk about—we're not going to do a snack review because this wasn't really a snack that we enjoyed before the show today, but like an appetizer.
1: It was dinner. It was our dinner.
0: Yeah, it was kind of like a late-night dinner, and so what we did is we had stopped at the store before recording, and we each picked out a can of soup. Which, any of you guys who make homemade soup out there, you know, like, canned soup can't hold a T to homemade soup. But we're going to talk about some Campbell's Chunky Soup. It wasn't
1: Campbell's. It wasn't? It was the store brand.
0: (laughs) It was the store brand?
1: Yes. Go look at the kit. Go in the trash can and pull out the kit. It's the store brand. That's why it was on sale. Hold
0: on a second.
1: I'm telling you, you thought, did you really think it was Campbell's? Oh, man. He's realizing how wrong he was.
0: Okay. This is... (laughs) Okay, Josh, you go ahead and go first. I got to process through this for a second. (laughs) Okay, so I
1: had... (laughs) I had the clam chowder. Cody had the vegetable... or No, the chicken dumpling with veggies. Mm -hmm. And I will say, we're not going to name the store, but I literally got... Is it cream of mushroom that they put in clam chowder? Whatever the soup-based stuff is, I got that, and I got potatoes, and I got no clam, which really disappointed me. <laughs> Granted, it was very chunky, and there was a lot of potatoes. So it was okay. I mean, I'll take that, but it, it wasn't the greatest. I think there is a main label brand that does a light New England clam chowder. It's delicious. And I, that, like, this was just like, it was, it was not good.
0: All right. So, here's the deal Josh didn't want to name the store. I kind of do.
1: No, don't do it.
0: But, we don't want to get sued. Okay. Because I was going to give it some props. Anyway, I seriously thought we bought Campbell's chunky soup. And I'm sitting there, and I put it in the bowl, and this is a type of soup that I've, I've really enjoyed. I like chicken and dumpling soup, and I actually think Campbell's Chunky Soup isn't bad. I think it's pretty decent for canned soup. And when I picked this out at the store, I seriously thought this was Campbell's. So, the, the graphic designer for these grocery store products at this specific grocery store, which we're not going to name... I'm gonna say that person deserves a massive raise, because whatever they did with that graphic design on the can, I didn't even look I didn't look at the brand. I assumed because of the art style and the graphic and the way that they made the can look that we were getting Campbell's chunky soup. I just assumed that, and then I had to go check. I had to dig through the trash can just to notice it was the store brand soup.
1: I'm down an eye. I- and i noticed it was the store's brand when we were at the store
0: all right maybe i'm just maybe i'm just not that observant i kind of like to think of myself as a semi detail oriented person and my wife doesn't agree with that and i th- i think we just proved her proved her right on this one i really
1: hope she listens to this
0: <laughs> so anyway um, yeah, my soup wasn't all that good, guys. Uh, especially <laughs> when I was eating it. I was like, man, I, I feel like Campbell's really changed their recipe on this stuff. It doesn't even look like it's the same color. Because uh, the, there's I think they used a cream of chicken base, which made it a little bit more yellowy. And I was like, man, that's not the right color. That's not what this stuff's supposed to be. It's not yellow. It's typically like pretty white. And now that I know what I know... Uh, yeah, sorry guys, Like uh, canned chicken dumpling soup, this is what I'm going to say, if you're going to get some canned soup, be careful and make sure you're buying the right brand. Find a brand you like and buy that brand and stick to it because you cannot trust all soup makes because they're not all good, especially in the cans. Canned soup in and of itself is a, is a less than good product it's about average uh because it's so condensed and full of salt and preservatives it's crazy but like yeah sorry can't can't recommend grocery store brand soup cans be careful guys if it looks like chunky graphic design it might not be
1: I just, I remember listening to a comedian and he was talking about his dad going to a restaurant and you know how like you go to the restaurant and you order something and it comes out and it's not what the picture looks like at all. Oh, yeah. His dad would always look at the waitress and go, my compliments to the photographer. (laughs) (laughs) That's honest. Because I will say the clam chowder cover art, solid content.
0: See, now, the age-old saying is, right, don't judge a book by its cover. Now, that's true. A book might not be good based on a good cover, and the book might not be bad based on a bad cover. However, a book with a good cover can fly off that shelf, and then the publisher has your dollars, and that's all that matters.
1: So, And you know where those end up? The ones that great cover, terrible content?
0: goodwill (laughs) yeah you can get some great cover art at the local goodwill so if you're looking for stuff that looks aesthetically appealing uh check out your local goodwill for some some pretty awesome cover designs on your books but yeah definitely got got totally duped by the the photography and graphic design on these cans because i'll tell you what i was pretty excited about this soup going in and now that i've eaten it and begun the digestive process I don't feel as good about it. It's not making me feel sick or anything like that. It just wasn't. It wasn't all that tasty. <laughs> so this week, uh, we are going to talk about something that's kind of going on socially, and and what we really try to do with the After Sunday discussion is have it be an enjoyable conversation and have it be something that is kind of silly and and carefree. But we're going to talk about something somewhat serious here, and and I feel like the last couple of weeks we've actually kind of had more of a serious tone. But uh, we are going to talk about that. I guess maybe at this point, is it fair to call it infamous? The infamous Gillette ad, because it's not really, it's not really surrounded by a ton of positive reception, and it's it's controversial. So maybe just because it's controversial, we shouldn't call it infamous. But well, let's just talk about it being a well circulated, a well circulated ad made by a man's razor company, Gillette, and there have been some reactions to it. Now, Josh, have you watched the full ad at this point? Yeah, you
1: made me watch the full ad.
0: Okay, I know I made you watch it. Have you watched it since? Not really. Okay. Have you followed a little bit of the discussion around it at all? I'm sure you've heard more than just seeing the ad.
1: Oh, yeah, no, I I understand that a lot of people are very frustrated with it and that... It's it's rattled a lot of cages, um, uh, and I know a lot of men uh, almost feel offended, if that's the best way of putting it. They're offended that a company that, for the most part, most men use at least one of their products, would come out with a with a, a commercial that, in all intensive purposes, really doesn't reflect most of their customers' values or even who they are as people. And um, I can completely understand the frustration and the offense taken by the advertisement. I mean, but as someone who stopped using their products, I could care less.
0: Yeah, I mean, it. I don't really... It doesn't affect my purchasing at all right now. What affects my purchasing is quality and price and Gillette is just not one of those companies I mean their razors are very expensive and I think their competitors offer a equal product for less money I think that between Dollar Shave Club and Harry's for consumer purposes purposes I think there are more Uh, budget-friendly options out there to get your shape your I was about to say your your shape (laughs) faced to get your face shaved Uh, to get your face shaved um and me personally I don't really have very thick facial hair so I don't need like a (coughs) super duper sharp razor um but I I do understand where people would get frustrated but I also understand the people who are like seriously like you're gonna you're gonna cry about this ad because it's just an advertisement at the end of the day. But what you also don't want to do in advertising is alienate or insult your customers. And I think, you know, people can say what they want and defend and say, oh, man, people are just being crybabies like this and, and and you know, this is just conservative, alt-right, whatever. You know, all those buzzwords people throw, throw out when they just want to... Sh- show that someone's ridiculous or whatever but i do think when when marketing a product you got to be careful not to alienate your customer base because what you want to do is you want to sell the product and and i understand there's a lot of brand loyalty in in razors right because you buy you buy your razor and you just continue to buy the replacement blades until you, you know maybe your your wife gets you a different razor for christmas or something and then and then that becomes your new thing but but yeah, just brand loyalty, and I think you gotta be careful not to, not to alienate your customers because I think most people can look at it and say, there's is saying good things there." Like it's it's good not to be a jerk, right? Yeah. We 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 understand that, but but do you think? I mean, even from the opening
1: seconds of that ad. Do you think it's right to say that the people behind it <clears throat> very much are framing men to as if they were one thing, as if they were misogynistic um, bullies, essentially?
0: I think that that image is definitely able to be seen in the commercial, and what what's going to happen. As, as this moves on and discourses continue to be made about it, they're just gonna come out and say like oh that wasn't that wasn't the intention so we'll never really know mm-hmm. but from first viewing it definitely made men inherently seem kind of like jerks kind of like a problem And so yeah I think yeah. In, a, in a way I, I definitely agree with that
1: yeah most because the, there's been a lot of advertisements out there that just you, you go what were they thinking? and you are not one to comment often but this one rattled your cage
0: why i think part of it is because here's here's what matters to me um i am a husband i'm a father and i know that at the end of the day i i really do i need i need to be the best man that i can be for my family and what what frustrates me <coughs> and this is not just this is not just the Gillette ad It is our our cultural tempo that just kind of speaks to um, we need to have a society of softer men. Um, Men need to be softer. And and I think there's a lot of things about male behavior uh, that we're naturally a little bit more aggressive. We're naturally a little bit more competitive. We are naturally... Um, kind of more willing to be controversial. Uh, And these are, I think, in some ways just seen as flaws. However, I think they're just kind of innate personality types that can manifest themselves either negatively or positively. And what I don't want to see happen is I don't want to see a society where men continue to have to buy into this narrative that you have to be soft, that you can't speak your mind, that there's a certain way you're supposed to be, and ultimately, you are supposed to be tamed.
1: I I, I agree. I think we are at a place right now, culturally, where true masculinity is frowned upon. I mean, look at what... Our boys are being told like you're you're supposed to sit still you're supposed to be quiet you're not supposed to and guys aren't like that god made us inherently to go and to do stuff and we we were the we're designed to be the protectors of the family so we have to be aggressive right? we're supposed to be the leaders so of course that's going to be there's going to be conflict in that and i i feel like at least from what I'm seeing, we celebrate pushovers at this point. And, I mean, it's, it's really hard uh, to, to find, especially in pop culture, to find really, like, good male role models. I mean, I know in the, our, our State of Star Wars talk, I mean, that was something that was very much brought up, was you look at the current cast... And there's no strong male characters. None, yeah. <laughs> there's none that you you would be okay with your kids trying to emulate at this point. And granted, in pop culture, there are co- like I know of a, a few TV shows that have very s- strong and, in my opinion, good male role models that kids can see, at least on the small screen. But it's it's getting harder and harder, and. I don't. I don't know. It's just the ad to me. I could care less. But it's just one more piece of evidence that, as a culture, we're trying to almost not subjugate, but there, there's a big element of control and not humiliation in the of embarrassment, but just humiliation of masculinity, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, and and what I will say about about the advertisement is that it contains things that I think men should do. It it contains things Mm -hmm. I think men should do. Do you catcall a woman on the street? I think think that's extremely immature, extremely inappropriate. And like... If someone does that, especially someone you're with, you'd be like, dude, man, that's lame. Totally lame. I mean call out call out lameness for what it is. But one of the things that that was, was too just really unrealistic, right? The boys fighting at the barbecue and all the dads just kind of being like, boys will be boys. Anytime I've been at a family occasion or or anything and a fight breaks out between the kids, it lasts for seconds. Tops because everyone knows like hey you don't just beat each other up for no reason in fact fighting physically is typically not the best way to to deal with your disagreements and, and those are opportunities to teach and and teach kids so so like that aspect of it, I was like, yeah, you know, you intervene, but I don't think there's a lot of people sitting back and saying, oh, oh yeah, just just let the kids beat each other up. I don't think that's really a problem. I understand that they're trying to be artistic with the narrative, um, and, and so I will say th- the overall message is like, yes, I think that these are behaviors men should have, but I also think that there's a lot, too, that's missing within the ad that maybe they'll have a follow-up or something. Who knows? At this point, everyone's watching it. So if they made a follow-up, everyone would watch that too. Um, to where I think when you think about manhood, it's so much more complex than just not being a jerk. Like, should you be a jerk? No. No one should be a jerk. And there's mm-hmm. things that are every, everyone knows. We've known since we were kids, right, Josh, that there's just certain things that if you do it, you, you're. <laughs> what are you doing, man? And, right. And and here's the reality, no one thinks it's cool. No one thinks it's cool. Like the person who sexually harasses women at work, no one thinks that's cool. Like, I'm sure you've seen it happen at least one time at work where someone kind of pushes the limits. Mm-hmm. Is it cool? And
1: it's shot
0: down immediately. In that person, I'm
1: mean, at least every situation I've been in, that person and I've witnessed that person has been fired of because of it. It's not. I mean, sexual harassment is said especially, no tolerance, whatsoever. Yeah,
0: and I know at <laughs> my current place of business, I, I haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's been places and and I've been in actually the the worst place I saw sexual harassment was in the public schools. That that was mm-hmm. that's where I saw it the worst. Right, and teenagers are just confused individuals anyway, which is why I think they do. They need fathers around. They need male reinforcement, and they do need people in their lives to tell them what manhood is, what masculinity is, and um, my my final thought on this is true masculinity is not going to be found out through a razor blade company's ad, true masculinity is going to be found out through, uh, first, I come from the standpoint of, of God in the Bible, I mean, you want a real man, look at the life of Jesus, right? Uh, and then you look at what the Bible says a father is, what a husband is, what a real man is, and you live that way. And you will find that you probably aren't going to be a jerk if you're doing it right. Probably not going to be a jerk. You're going to be compassionate and you're going to be strong. You're going to be gentle as well as uh, assertive. And, and you're going it's, to, it's a balance. You're trying to balance you with the way in which God naturally made you. And so... I'm not mad about the ad. I'm just like, oh, man, it's. I think it's just painting the picture a little bit wrong. So that's my final take. Any final thoughts, Josh? I,
1: I think you kind of hit the nail on the head when it comes to just we, as men, as two men, I mean, we need to take our cues from Scripture um, and very much emulate just christ when it comes to his relationship to his church and and even going to the point where paul says i mean you lay your life down for your family that's how much sacrifice is involved and i think if you look at this if you want to call this the state of manhood in at least the united states it's very self-centered overall at least, at least the experiences I've had interacting with men in the workplace and at school and stuff like that, and I, I, it's very much all about them, and um, and I can see where people get very frustrated, and I can see where this ad is coming from. However, I, I think the way that the ad characterizes guys isn't. isn't isn't the reality for most yes there are a lot of people who do the same things and use the same excuses you see in it but for the majority of men who are living their lives providing for their family trying to be a good example they're just not like that and it's it i it's funny i was talking to somebody this past week and we were having a conversation about something else but one of the things that we were discussing was like we live in a culture where everything blows up,
0: oh yeah,
1: everything goes viral, and, and like we were talking about something, and they they were listening to it on about it on Moody and, and something that we both agreed on is like they made it into a much bigger thing than it actually was, and, the thing that kills me when I when I think about that story and, um they they. It involved teenagers. And um, and they brought up these kids' names in the news. And, like, it's all over everywhere. Um, and if you guys look at when this was recorded, you could probably figure out what it was. But I'm going, those kids are going to be thrown in the... Like, that every time an employer is going to look them up, they're, that story's coming up, regardless of how true or not true the reporting is. Mm. That story is coming up, and... And we, we are a we live in a hypersensitive culture or society that it's 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 very hard to, to have certain conversations because people get really mad. And they might not know why they get mad, but they get mad. And I think when it comes to just being a christian and trying to live life it, it makes it harder to to share because you mention god to some people and they're like nope not talking about it whatsoever they'll bring up every excuse not to They'll you will yell at you they won't even listen to what you say mm-hmm. and i i it, it kind of goes along with um i mean cody will know where i'm coming from when it comes to this but like you look at first john and talking about how Like we need to abide in in God and we need to love others. And that's how they're going to know who we follow is Mm -hmm. by how much we love on other people. And yes, sometimes when you love on someone, it hurts. But at the same time, it's like if you if you act towards people and show them the same love that God shows you. I mean, you're not gonna get. You're not gonna get accused of being a toxic man. It, you're gonna. It's gonna be very opposite. It's gonna be. There is somebody that I appreciate, and someone that he's following something I want to follow with him. And I don't know. Those are pretty much my last thoughts. It's just with yeah. all the viral stuff, it frustrates me.
0: Yeah, and <clears throat> even though we're talking about it here. We- You know, lastly, is that... And I mentioned this to you the other day, Josh, right? Is that the answer isn't to get on the internet and rage. The answer isn't to throw your Gillette razors in the trash and post a picture on Twitter or Instagram. If you think that our culture is wrong about its diagnosis of men... and I don't think it's saying that every man's like this, but I do think it's saying that it is a problem. And... I think they're they're making it look like it's a bigger problem than it really is because of the media and how bad things get a small amounts of bad things just get a lot of coverage right the the massive amounts of good things don't get covered as much because it's not it's not as clickbaity it, people don't watch as much people don't get as drawn in our psychosis with media is so strange but don't just go on the internet, and get mad, and, and throw a fit, but I think the real challenge is this, if you're a guy, and, and ladies, I'm so sorry, um, that we've talked about just men for the last 20 minutes here, um, if you're a guy, uh, just show, show the world what a real man is, don't, don't throw a fit, don't, have a temper tantrum. Show them, and, and that's the, that's the approach I want to take in my life. Right? Is I want to show the world what what a real man is—a man who loves his wife, respects his wife, loves his children, wants to raise them right. You know, I've got sons and a daughter, and and, and you treat them with love. You you start a household, and and you you are the leader in your household—a a household that loves each other, respects each other, that seeks to to serve others, love others, and and just be a good place, and and I do think men have so much influence in that, and I do think passivity is a big problem with men, I think just kind of saying, like, I I go to work, I do my job, I bring home the check, and then I pay the bills, I'm good, and the world needs more from you than that, It, it needs more from you, your family needs more from you, the world needs more from you, the church needs more from you, and... And so I also it's this this ad and all that stuff. don't don't blame women either. Don't blame feminism, don't blame all, all you know don't just be like, "Oh, you know women just don't understand men that's that's not mature either because it's that's not the case. It's just someone was trying to make an ad and tell a story and there are some things that have, can be read into it where it's like, eh, I think it's a little off. I think it's a little off and and, and that's where it's at. And I think people will talk about it for maybe another maybe another week or so, and then it'll phase out, and everyone will forget about it until um, YouTube Rewind 2019, and and it'll be back. So, I, will it?
1: Because it only has 25 million
0: views. That's not that many,
1: comparatively for YouTube.
0: That's true. It is only January 24th, though. Who knows where <laughs> it's going to be by the end of the year? Um, yeah, I, you're pretty right. I don't. I don't know if it'll be on there. Yeah,
1: I. I, I just. It it's interesting to me. Just, I do you feel like there's a growing trend of companies taking very, very interesting stands on certain topics. That, like, I'm trying to think of the didn't Pepsi do an ad last year that got a lot of rage? I I just feel like there's a growing trend of just companies they're making very political, very Socially, I don't uh, like. I don't want to say SJW, but there are ads that aren't like you don't. You're
0: not used to seeing from certain companies. Yeah, and I don't know why that would be. I've seen it a little bit more in advertising, and I think here's part of the dynamic is that people can research a product without ever watching an ad. right? Mm -hmm. You could find out everything you need to find out by Googling something. In fact, you could probably actually find out better information on actual reviews actually going to a YouTube channel versus a company's advertisement. Mm -hmm. And so, I think from an advertising perspective, you have to find a way to gain a customer base. Like, let's just use the Gillette ad as an example. That ad was not made for people who are currently buying Gillette razors. It's not. The ad is not. We talked about this with Star Wars, right? Star Wars now is not made for Star Wars fans of old. It's not. It's made for a new generation that's going to attach to that story more. And I think Gillette with this ad, even though it seems like, man, where's the advertisement for the actual razor? That that doesn't matter. They're appealing to a younger audience, probably an audience that's not even quite shaving yet, that is going to see this and be like, oh, man, Gillette is cool. And they're going to think, like, oh, man, they're cool. They're in touch with, you know, what's going on in the world. And I think that that, that that's... So does a- that
1: bring up the question that they've mischaracterized the Generation Z
0: and stereotyped
1: exactly what their values are?
0: Possibly. Possibly. I mean, if
1: they're catering to that community. Because as grown men, I mean, you, you buy whatever's cheapest. I mean, I switched over to a safety razor with and it costs me a dollar 25 for blades every month.
0: <laughs> yeah, what's going to give you, what's going to give you a clean shave, what's not going to cut your face, what's not going to cause you to break out. I mean, that's what I'm thinking about when I buy a razor. Right. If I buy a razor and I have these issues, I'm not going to buy it again mm-hmm. or a shaving cream or whatever it might be, but yeah, I you could be right there. I I'm just I'm just hypothesizing. This, mm-hmm. this is I have no experience in marketing, but that's the only thing I can think of, right? We live in a time where I know for me, if I'm going to buy a product and I'm going to spend money on it and I'm not used to buying it, I might go to YouTube and look at a review of it. Like, look Mm -hmm. at some people who buy it and who've used it. Is it good? Is it not? And I think companies, when it comes to advertising, because of the growth of something like YouTube where people can go on and get like an honest customer review, you have to you have to think of creative ways to draw people to your product because they can find objectivity on your product like that. You can mm-hmm. no longer say you have the best razor in the business if someone can go out there and say like, um, yeah, this, mm-hmm. these 20 different website reviews say the opposite. So right. I think when it comes to to marketing, like if you really do have the best, then you can say you have the best. But if you don't, uh, then you got to think of some other way. Is that's that's the only reason? That's the only thing I can think of. I mean, I understand like the whole concept of bad press is still
1: good press is still free press. Yeah, and I, I don't mean, think that the
0: ad is getting bad press. I actually think the press loves this.
1: I don't know. I keep on. I mean, well, it all depends on who, the pundits that you listen to, <clears> which <throat> I don't listen to most. So, uh, do you think Gillette sales will go down from this overall long term?
0: I do. I I do think their sales will probably go down because. Okay,
1: I, let me let me premise this. Do you think their sales will fall more than they already have with the with the new competition that these factory direct companies are bringing?
0: I, I think there'll be a slight dip. I, I think what'll happen is is the the people they're going to lose are the people who. Are ticked off about it, who Mm -hmm. are probably in their 40s and 50s, who've used Gillette their whole entire life and are like, whatever, I'm done with this. And then they find out there's stuff like Harry's and Dollar Shave Club, and they're like, oh my gosh, I've been spending 45 bucks on a box of razors for 25 years and I don't have to do that. Holy cow, man, like my retirement money. Just like I I can I can now put thirty extra dollars a week in my retirement fund? That's amazing. You know what I mean?
1: Now this just came to mind and I think I think this might answer the question of why. But who's really shopping for the razors? Is it really the men going to the grocery store and buying them? Or is it their wives? Is it their girlfriends?
0: My wife's never bought my razors. Okay. So, I know that I, I buy my own razors. I pick out my own razors. Okay. And that, I don't know if that's an anomaly or if that's normal, but I would say most... most At the time of this recording, I am single, so I have no idea how that works. Yeah. Most of my experience, I mean, my, my dad, my stepdad, they both bought their own razors. Okay. Like, that was one of their, their purchases. I mean, okay. Because
1: do you think Gillette might be catering to the people, to the wives who... Go and buy razors?
0: Maybe. I I really don't know. It could be. I, I honestly think it's just uh, I don't really see Gillette or, or even Schick for that that matter, mm. who who hasn't like taken a stand on this. I don't see how they're gonna be able to compete with the factory direct market. Unless unless oh. Factory Direct gets super duper greedy and hikes their prices up a ton. I or mean, Gillette
1: just goes out and buys them.
0: That's a possibility that's a possibility, but I you know I have no idea. I, mm-hmm. I think that the factory direct model is just ingenious for for razors because you're talking about a huge difference in price. Uh, and yeah, I think it's one of those things where you see them being less able to compete on a price level so they have to find a way to make their brand cool or stand out or stand out and I still think. When you go and you buy your first razor and you see that price difference, it's still gonna be hard to take a Gillette razor off the off the shelf when you're looking at a Harry's blade for a fraction of the cost. But
1: it's it's the replacement blades that are expensive. It's not the handle. The handle with the which normally comes with one bl- like an extra set of blades.
0: Right.
1: It, there's not that big of a price difference. Granted, one one company might have better design and better aesthetics. So when you're looking at the for the initial razor, it's not that big of a difference. It's the replacement blades that's where you get your cost.
0: Yeah, which I I think that would only take one or two trips to the store to look at them all lined up there. Don't you think? I mean, I know for me, I'm a price guy. I look at the price of everything. Yeah,
1: you're, you're talking to somebody who would actually go to a store and just buy new handles
0: because they were cheaper than everything else. <laughs> it's not a bad idea. I mean, at the But end then you the... have a ton
1: of handles just sitting everywhere, and you're like, what the heck am I going to do with yeah. all of these?
0: Yeah, I don't know. But I'm not an expert on advertising. I'm not even really an expert on razors because I don't really have very thick facial hair. Uh, I shave about like twice a week, so, so I'm not the expert on, on shaving or razors or especially not marketing, but I think we've kind of we've kind of talked about this for a while. I do kind of want to talk about something that I would consider to be a little more fun. Okay. Um, so something that Josh and I have been talking about wanting to discuss on this show are some things that we have been been reading. I know we've talked about uh, pop culture and movies and stuff like that on the show and we kind of had a little snippet where we promoted the importance of reading but uh, just Josh and I were guys who have taken up reading. It's something that has been in practice in my adult life on and off, but pretty consistent, I would say. I've always looked at myself as being a reader rather than a non-reader. And kind of talking about just... Just, just manhood. We also know that men in general just don't read, but but this is for people in general. Whether you're you're a man or a woman, listen to this podcast. I think reading is extremely beneficial. I think reading all kinds of things is beneficial, right? I obviously I value reading the Bible. I'm a seminary student. I'm I'm a pastor. I'm a Christian. Uh, I value reading the Bible, but I also I read a lot of fiction. I read a lot of nonfiction. I read a lot of stuff that is religious. I re- read a lot of stuff that is not religious. And I think it is a great way to exercise your brain. And I know Josh is pretty excited about some stuff he's been mm-hmm. reading. So I'm going to let him talk to you guys for a while on the things that he's been reading.
1: Really? You're going to throw me under the bus like that? Well, I thought you I were just, ready. I, uh, I'm always ready. No, I, I love... I, I, I like to read. I love... I've loved the books that I've read. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was never a really big reader as a kid. Like as, it wasn't until probably senior year of high school that I really started getting into reading. And um, I'm just gonna share a couple of the books that I'm currently going through. Granted, these are either audiobooks or they're like physical copies. I don't do I don't do eBooks. I cannot do Kindle books, um, or Nook or any of those. I just I can't. I don't like. Staring at a screen when I'm reading something that I want to digest, like, and that's not related to work if you want to put it that way. Mm. So, um, currently I just finished a book called Never Split the Difference, uh, negotiating as if your life depended on it. Um, and that's it, it's a it's by a guy named Chris Voss, and he's a former FBI hostage negotiator, and just Oh my goodness, the insights there just about how to interact with people and how you can take a lot of things from negotiating and use them in your everyday life and, and actually have, like, not, not to manipulate people, but to have deeper discussions and to have people open up. And then there are a lot of insights about negotiating. And when you're going into a negotiation, when it comes to, like, buying a car or negotiating rent or, and, or even negotiating, like, a pay raise at work um that i think is just a very applicable very important topic to to learn and he does a very good job of explaining um the intricacies of just what his job entailed for 30 years um but the other books that i've are currently on the reading list and that I am currently going through, uh, one is called religious affections by Jonathan Edwards. Um, another one is visioneering by Andy Stanley. Uh, I just also finished good to great by Jim Collins, which is more about why companies fail and why, why, why others make it. Um, and then I, am also reading through a couple classics, uh, meditations by Marcus Aurelius, uh, the Greek, Greek emperor. And, uh, the Prince by Niccolo Machiavelli, because I keep on hearing about this book, and I just saw it at the bookstore, and I said, I'm going to buy it.
0: I'm going to read it. I'm going to know what everybody's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> That's great, man. I, I can say that. I don't know if I've read anything on the list of what you're currently reading, which is it, it's crazy. If you guys ever just take a look at – just open up the Goodreads app, and there's lists on there, and there's lists with thousands of books. Yeah. And that's not even close to all of the books that are in existence. The amount of stuff there is to read out there is just crazy. It's so much. Um, I know for me, I'm only reading two things right now. Uh, I know that uh, fiction-wise, I've been reading through Ready Player One. Off and on, it's a pretty good book. It's a pretty good story. Uh, The concept is really good, and the writing of it is a little bit hard for me to really get engaged with. The way in which, it, which it's written, the writing style of it, is a little bit different than what I really, really enjoy. Um, and, and I, but, I, but I do think that the author really introduced a pretty good concept of this dystopian society that is just totally consumed with this virtual reality. And I haven't seen the movie yet. I was waiting to get through the book first. But I'm really glad I've read the book because something I like about reading these books is that as you're reading, you have the time to actually process what's going on. Whereas when you watch a two-hour movie, you you get the opportunity to process through it later. But I find that I don't really process while I'm watching as much. It's kind of like I watch, and then I think back, and I process, and then I try... <laughs> I try to connect all the dots, and it's a little bit harder, whereas when you're reading, I find you're connecting the dots as you go, and it's cool. Uh, re- I think the, the book is pretty good, and then nonfiction-wise, I'm actually reading a book. It's called Teaching That Transforms, and I cannot remember the name of the author right now. Oh, in uh, Ready Player One is written by a guy named Ernest Cline. Uh, I can't remember the name of the author of Teaching That Transforms. I'm actually reading it for a class. But it's a really fascinating read because I, I love to teach. I, lo- I love uh, teaching from the standpoint of preaching or lecturing. Um, but this book, really, it looks at and tries to observe educational theory and what is effective education and a, an effective way to teach, specifically looking at teaching adults and, and, and really kind of challenging the typical like lecture format of teaching and whether or not it's the most effective. And it's talking about, obviously because the title is Teaching That Transforms, transformative teaching in that that comes about from teaching from the expectation that you're going to teach people and teach them how to take action. Your, your teaching is supposed to push people into action and then it also has the assumption that learners need to be active in the teaching process as well. Not themselves actually getting up and teaching, but being active in the learning process, whether it's through discussion or through uh, having segments of of the coursework that they might be teaching and learning from the classroom. And I find that where this actually happens and it's kind of cool is being a student who's been in online seminary for, oh yikes, uh, three and a half years now um, it's, it's kind of exactly what's happening in the online classroom, discussion-based, like, you, you read material, you familiarize yourself with that, you have your teacher, you have your proctor, and then you kind of come together as, as classmates, and you, you discuss over these virtual discussion boards, and it's a pretty cool way to learn, um, but I'm really looking forward to seeing how the, the book develops more, and, being able to implement that in, into the stuff that I do um, with with church stuff as well as with, uh, I mean, even with like this podcast and the E43 Collective, I think we're, we could really implement some some stuff in there. And, and then obviously with teaching my own kids and my family and, and all of that. So yeah, that's what I'm reading. I'm not reading a whole lot. I know for me, I'm personally looking forward to, um one of these days getting back to also reading the classics alongside you Josh cuz <laughs> you know me I love the classics I've read quite a few of them uh but but right now don't have one on me so
1: it's it's interesting cuz when you go back like I'm purposely going back and finding things that like here is like for example like the republic which is plato is it plato yeah I'm pretty sure it's plato or um like uh wealth of nations and stuff like like i want to learn cuz you hear these brought up either, whether it be the title of the book or the author and it's like you hear people talk about it all the time and like i have a desire of trying to understand more contextually what they're talking about cuz i feel like we live very much in a place where people will cherry pick what they like out of those and use and like shit like say, well this is what this person said. And it's like I wanna see what it was in context. That's why I'm going back and reading those, but they're they're very different from reading like a a modern fiction or nonfiction book. Oh yeah. It's the, totally different <laughs> approach.
0: Yeah.
1: It's it's painful sometimes. Um like Religious Affections by Jonathan Edwards, you need a Bible open next to you while you read it because he just references bible verses and chapters of scripture no context whatsoever you have to like he just goes Mm -hmm. and and he has his train of thought and it's like you have to actually like okay pause because right now i have the audiobook i'm like pause the audiobook he said mark (laughs) two and going over opening the bible reading it okay play (laughs) (laughs) and then understanding what he's talking about and it's it's very different from like because i've read a lot of christian books um and nowadays everybody explains what they're talking about and they'll throw the scripture in the past like oh yeah yeah, yeah. it's like this is very much like in mark 2 he said this and this is what and i'm like (laughs) <laughs> but what are you reading for uh, personal time,
0: devos? Personal time, devos-wise, I've actually been spending a lot of time. So we've been going through 1 John uh, as a youth group. So I've been spending a lot of time reading that in my personal devos. Um, but as far as as outside of stuff that's also teaching-wise, I've been slowly working my way through Jeremiah. And that is a tell you what, guys, I know that there's people who get really into the Old Testament prophecy and stuff like that and, and all that, but for me, that's just challenging, challenging to get through, um, and, and I think it's probably true for most people, because it is harder. It's it's a harder reading level, I think, um, but but yeah, slowly going through Jeremiah, and because it's something, it's one of those things where Jeremiah and Isaiah, both of them, I've read through, but really, I've never really taken my time in reading through them. Um, and so, you know, uh, that that that's something that I've been going through. Just kind of started that a few weeks ago. Uh, and hopefully, <laughs> hopefully I'm not in there for the rest of my life. It's a pretty long book. <laughs> but uh, yeah, what about you, man?
1: Uh, well, I'm rereading through Romans right now. So I've been doing that for the past two weeks. I'm on Romans chapter 13, 13, 14. Kind of in the midway point, but very much taking the approach of instead of reading through like chapter one, chapter two, just reading through as like a continuous letter and trying not to break things down just so that I can pick up the the big the big picture more than because every time I've gone through that book, it's always been like knit like we're going to nitpick this little path like paragraph and we go through through that and talk through that and it's just like no I just want to read it as just a continuous letter and and see what see, see how it flows that way. And it it's interesting cuz a lot of people like it, there's a very logical progression that goes on in that book. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it as the way I've always studied it with with like just breaking it up into chapter or paragraph or something like that, you lose that so
0: yeah, and and kind of following the big idea and the themes in Romans is I think a little bit easier when you read through it like that. I mean, mm-hmm. I have I've spent days where I've just read through the whole entire book of Romans in one sitting and not to say that you learn something brand new from doing it, but you really get the perspective of this was a structurally um, nearly just, just it's so amazing. Just, just this is Paul giving you his what I would consider to be probably his best gospel presentation. Like, if we were to take like what Paul would say when he showed up at a church mm-hmm. and and trying to start a church and giving the argument for mm-hmm. the existence of God, I think Romans is probably pretty close mm-hmm. to, to what what is his, his yeah. spiel, for lack of a better term, would oh, be. Yeah um and, and to get that and to think about like imagine you were hearing a guy just talk about that you just sat mm-hmm. through the whole entire book of Romans in one sitting it'd be like whoa I'm not yeah. sure I know exactly what he's talking about <laughs> but there are some pretty amazing things in there I gotta I gotta follow right. up and talk talk to this guy more and I think I think A lot of times what I would suggest, even with Bible reading, is is read the whole entire thing within its context. Yeah. Read it as if you're reading a book, and then go back and study it.
1: Well, which is kind of the approach I took, was just last week, took a day, read through all of it, and then broke it down. Like, went one through five, I think was like the next three days, was just looking at those chapters. Reread all of it again. And... And it's just, it's it's crazy because like we talk like Romans Road. I know I've talked to Cody about this. It's like, it's like, no, the book of Romans, is very much a lot bigger than just that, where it's like chapter one, there is sin. Chapter two, doesn't matter who you are. You deal with it. God's going to look at you the same way. Chapter three, y'all fall short. (laughs) Sin again. (laughs) But, but uh, through all of it, I mean, he talks about just salvation through it all. And it's. And, like, I'm at the point right now where it's like, I just did the deep dive into chapter eight, where it's just like, okay, now that you have the Holy Spirit in you, right, this is what the implications are. And then knowing how the rest of the book goes, it's very much like, this is how you should be conducting your life now, knowing what happened before. Mm. And it's, I don't know. I like chapter eight. So that's.
0: Yeah, chapter eight of Romans is. Oh man, that is a, That is a dense study, and, and the thing is, it's funny to call it dense because it's also probably the longest chapter in the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's like thirty nine verses and thirty nine pretty long verses. Uh, but it's also it's still dense though. It's yeah. long, but it's dense, and it's it's just a lot there. I think part of eight too, as well as, you know, it's one chapter, and obviously these are made mm-hmm. after the passage is right. written. Uh, But it's one chapter that contains, I I would say, it's it's almost like a three point sermon in Mm -hmm. in one chapter. You have got three major moves in it, uh, kind of going from from spirit led living to the the practicality of that, and then like the implications Mm -hmm. of it. It's it is pretty cool,
1: and then the ultimate realization of it. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's, it's it's yeah. It's tough to preach on because it's dense and there's a lot of like deep theological truths in there. Uh, I mean, you you even get into the predestination mm-hmm. thing within Romans 8. Uh but at the same time, it's it's just it's a great study, but yeah. it's it's also a really hard study if you're doing it without the context of the first yeah. 7 chapters, yeah. you know.
1: Yeah, so I I think I'll be done with it by probably Sunday. And then We'll see. I haven't decided what I'm gonna do next.
0: I have a big book on Romans. It's a big commentary. It is like 1,400 pages. If you want to tackle it, it's on my bookshelf. It's it's a great commentary. If not, I understand. <laughs> That's 1,400 pages for a, how many words is in that? Dude, it's almost a. It's what was that? It's almost a uh, hundred pages a chapter. That's insane Crazy right
1: That's insane
0: So Anyway
1: Talking about Reading between the lines Oh my goodness
0: (laughs) There's a lot of context To be bridged In Romans And it's pretty deep I do kind of want to go back To one thing though One thing You talked about reading And how you don't like Reading on e-readers Or you don't like Reading digital books I'm going to ask you this Have you ever tried Reading on a traditional Kindle Or a Kindle Paperwhite Have you ever tried it
1: I have tried The Paperwhite white. Okay I lose my place way too quickly Okay. Paperwhite. Interesting. <laughs> like, I think when it comes to e-readers, I think the Paperwhite is probably the best one that I've used because it doesn't hurt my eyes when I read it. Right. But it's just the way that Kindle and Amazon break up the Kindle books. It's just, I like having a paper just kind of saying like this is where i'm going
0: <laughs> it would be pretty cool if like the kindle for example was like the size of your average hardcover book mm-hmm. and it really just kind of took the book and made it page for page
1: yeah you know what you know what really turned me off on ebooks though is textbooks okay if, you have, if you've ever had to do an, an, a textbook in an ebook format number one you can't download them on e-readers okay Okay, because they, they can't handle the size like so the publishing companies don't format them for e-readers so you're downloading them as a PDF and then you can't use it on a Kindle like paper white because it doesn't do well um, and but then if you put it on a Kindle fire, if you have to read that thing for a long period of time it just burns your eyes and then like I don't like re- I mean I, I spend eight and a half hours a day. In front of a computer at work looking at spreadsheets and read just tons and tons of pdfs and I, it gets to the point where it's just like i'd rather just pick up a physical copy of a book and read it without the backlight or the screen glare like
0: yeah yeah for me i'm a, I'm a pretty big advocate of ebooks um I they s- are cheaper Yeah, in some regards. I mean, I know that there's some instances where I see that the hard copy is less expensive. Mm -hmm. It depends Mm -hmm. just on on how the publisher decides to sell it. But I do like reading. I don't think I would read on any other e-reader that's not like an actual e-reader. Like, I don't like reading books on my phone. I would never want to read a book on my phone or an iPad or a laptop like in like an led backlit screen i have no interest in reading on that um but but as far as an e-reader because it's not it's not a backlit or digitally illuminated screen to the point of where it causes that that blue light and that Mm -hmm. eye strain uh, i do i don't mind it i think it's pretty good i mean i would rather read a physical book it's just at this stage in life i've got I got three full bookshelves and books in my garage. You know, I need to get rid of physical books before I start adding more to the shelves. Okay. Or just get a bigger house and have a full library. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, you also have three kids, so I don't yeah. see a bigger house. I, actually, I can see a bigger house in your near future.
0: <laughs> oh, that would be great. That would be great. Well, a bigger house means bigger problems, too. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, there's something nice about these, this little place. I like it. Yeah, it's um, cozy but i i think yeah definitely it's preference man whatever whatever can get you to read a book i would say read it if you like e-readers use an e-reader if you like physical books read a physical book but at the end of the day i think really what i would challenge people to do is take the time to read stuff i think i think it's good for our brain to read fiction i think it's good for our minds to also read non-fiction i think you you interact with two different cognitive processes and and it's i think it's very healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just really do. And our society is getting pretty far from it. We've almost gone to a full digital, visual and digital and audio only distribution of information. And I shouldn't say only, but mm-hmm. I should say dominant visually yep. in, in, in audio dominant uh, way of communication. And I think that's fine that we can get information out there that way, but I do think still it's so constructive to sit yeah. down and read someone's processed thoughts.
1: And when they say the book is always better than the movie, it so is. I mean, I just, I read, what, what was it? I've read in the past year, I've read Lame Is and Atlas Shrugged. And oh my goodness, those books so much more detailed than you can ever get into a movie. And like there you get very and you're a Lord of the Rings fan.
0: Oh yeah and, kind of a nerd about it
1: <laughs> and I guarantee I haven't read them so I've seen the movies and I guarantee you they missed
0: out on a ton in the movies they they did but I think they really did make a great adaptation mm-hmm. of the book right. it's not a it's not an easy book to adapt, and I think mm-hmm. they did a great job adapting it.
1: Yeah, yeah, but I mean, it's just like like my sister's a really big Harry Potter fan. She gets mad when she watches the Harry Potter movies because she's like, "That's not how it was in the book." That's no, they're missing an entire character at some point. Like, and, and I like I understand you. It's 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 very easy to consume the audiovisual. But you have to condense it to however long the runtime is. And you, you you miss out on a lot of detail and you miss out on a lot of context and a lot of setting stuff that's that's cool and really makes you fully understand what's going
0: on in the story. Yeah.
1: And you get that in the book because the writer actually has
0: enough time to write it. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing I will say, if you get mad about the book not being as good as the movie, I will say what I've said a lot of, on a lot of things, the movie is not made for you. Because here's the reality, maybe the movie is made with you in mind, but guess what, as soon as that movie is announced, they know they already have your dollars. The movie is made for the people whose dollars they need to attain, and that is the people who are fringe audience members, so they need to make something that fringe audience members will like. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there are certain aspects that we criticize about films that are adapted from books that it's like, oh, they missed this and that and the other thing. And, and when you think about it, it's like, well, maybe that's because it wouldn't have attracted a wider audience mm-hmm. or have appealed to a wider audience. Because when you make something too long, I think people – like Lord of the Rings even – Walks that line of being kind of too long. Most people who aren't into the movie, one of the first things they say is, "It's too long. It's just too long."
1: And just just... to watch the theatrical cuts in a marathon, I think is what
0: nine hours. Oh yeah, it's super long. I think each one is about three hours. They're long, Mm -hmm. but but yeah, movies movies made with you in mind. But they know they have you as soon as they have the title. All they need is a as a poster and the title and they know they have you what what they don't have are the people who what is this what is what is this harry potter thing i mean everyone knew what harry potter was and Mm -hmm. man we should have a discussion about this another time but I, i think a big reason why we don't have as many readers is because it's also been a long time since we've had the harry potter phenomenon where there was a book that everyone was reading When was the last time that happened? It might have been Harry Potter.
1: I was not allowed to watch or read Harry Potter until I was high school. My parents did not allow it in the house. So I missed that boat completely.
0: Yeah, (laughs) I I hit the boat. And I'll definitely say that I'm glad I read it when I did because I think Harry Potter is very much written at the audience level that I was at. Like when when you were a kid, it was written for a kid. And then as you became a teenager, it was written for a teenager. Very, very cool um, Mm -hmm. progression of of writing style for for jk rowling to just know her audience so mm-hmm. well and write it towards her her primary audience which was basically whatever age harry was was the age level at which she wrote at which was really really great i thought it was great mm-hmm. um but now i go back and read as an adult and i'm like okay this is this is a children's book mm-hmm. and nothing wrong with children's books it's just i don't get as into it right as i did when i was a kid
1: now, okay, so we should probably talk about that later cuz I would really want to discuss just like we deal with a lot of junior hires and they're all about YouTube and just the the difference between like um, our generation and their generation
0: on like we read more probably than they do. Definitely. <laughs> I mean we we didn't have we didn't have as much to do like we couldn't just go home and have unending entertainment, and we're not—we're not even old guys. No. Like, if you went home and you didn't have cable, I mean, there wasn't a whole lot on TV, right? No. I mean, if you didn't have cable, there wasn't a whole lot on TV. Uh, video games—I mean, it was expensive to buy video games. I mean, mm-hmm. your parents weren't willing to go out and spend 50, 60 bucks on a video game all the time, so so you would get one like seasonally, and you mm-hmm. play through it, and you had like a season with it. Right. The internet—I mean, there's the internet, but. Oftentimes, until until people had multiple lines you had shared line internet right mm-hmm. so dial so, up yeah I mean, dial up there's so many reasons as to why our experience was a little bit different is cause even though we had a lot to do there wasn't there wasn't as much to do when it came to the digital world, so it was like we had to go outside and play. We had to, uh, we, we had to read books on rainy days or watch a movie. Like, and, and mm. even watching a movie, your family had to have movies. Your family had to have bought movies or like, go to
1: the library and rent them, like, like my family did.
0: <laughs> exactly, go to the library and rent them, but you actually had to have the physical movie some way, somehow, whether you rented them mm-hmm. or you bought them like you, you couldn't just go on Netflix and watch a right. movie for 12 bucks a month or whatever it is now. You couldn't binge watch a TV show. You know, you couldn't I mean owning a TV show was crazy. I mean to buy a TV show season was like $60. It's it still like, about 60 bucks. It, it's crazy. And and so even though we grew up in a highly highly digital era, it just went into hyperdrive yeah. in the last 10 years. Just right about the time we graduated high school, the way in which we took in entertainment and and media just went into hyperdrive man mm-hmm. I, I think I'm literally thinking of society in the Millennium Falcon going into hyperdrive right now. That is my visual. Uh, <laughs> and with that, it is obviously getting a little bit too late. we're gonna we're gonna cut it off here. We're just gonna have an abrupt ending because it is almost midnight and both of us guys we gotta work in the morning so we just want to thank you guys for listening to the after sunday discussion and we're sorry it's coming out so late but i actually think this was a pretty fun one hope you guys enjoy it just want to remind you all to check out e43collective.com e43collective.com and if you wouldn't mind telling your friends about it and sharing it with your family and the people that you know that would help us out a lot thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week on the after sunday discussion have a fantastic week and a blessed day